On this week's episode, we talk about Black Monday for NFL coaches, a controversial overtime goal, and both the New York Yankees and the Buffalo Bills make history. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode two of Points Penalty Season Two. For all of our listeners, we'd like to remind you to please subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. For our viewers on YouTube, please be sure to subscribe to our channel using the PMP icon on the bottom right. <laughs> <laughs> and no matter how you check out Points and Penalties, give us a like and follow on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Points Penalties. Once again, I'm Josh. And with me are my co-hosts, Kevin and Jesse. Peter is away today as his little one has finally been welcomed into the world. And as he says, he's got bigger fish to fry than doing this podcast tonight. So without further ado, Kevin, let's start with you. What are you drinking? Well, so far I am having myself an electric unicorn. It's a white IPA. It's out of Phillips Brewing and uh, Malting Company. I've had my first sip prior to the doing so so it is good i like it very tasty again we have ourselves what's the percentage fancy oh yeah the percentage oh my goodness 6.5 percent oh shit so jesse i see you're feeling a lot better i sure am bud yeah you're not sick this time no no man no good so what are you drinking jess i am drinking Jumbo from Railway City Brewing there in St. Thomas. And I got a 6.8%. So I brought it. I'm going to try it right now. That's a decent IPA. Yosh, what are you having? Oh, my beer is from uh, not too far down the road from uh, yours, Jess. Yours is St. Thomas. Mine's Sarnia. It's not too far along. Uh, refined fool and it's called van full of weirdos juicy ipa i'm pretty sure somebody had this uh, last season but that was last season so it don't matter uh it's a citrusy little ipa and it's uh, pretty good uh, apparently i'm the bitch of the week at 6.2 percent oh wow all right it's a good thing i didn't pull out the 4.5 percent <laughs> <laughs> well you weren't the one having the baby were you bud no <laughs> no i've already had two that's fine by me Two. So the New York Yankees made history this week by hiring Rachel Golovic to be their minor league major um, manager, which is I think is pretty sick. Now uh, I believe there's um, there's been another person that has been doing well in regards to the baseball, and that would have been uh, King Ang. She's also uh, um, a GM in regards to the um, Miami Marlins. Uh, what are your thoughts here on the hiring of uh, Rachel? at the uh, New York um, minor league manager. I think this is great. Great for the game. Baseball's moving forward. That's a low A minor league team, but good for her. I think she was an assistant elsewhere within more farm systems, but uh, it's good that she's finally getting her first, first go and hopefully more continue to come. Yeah. I, and it's going to sound bad, but I, I don't really care about this. And the reason I don't really care is because 
it shouldn't matter whether she's a woman or a man. It should be the best person available for the job. So of course I'm excited and I'm happy for, for Rachel here and for, for other females in sports to move up, but this shouldn't be a story. You know what I mean? Like it should, we should already be making past, history though. It, it's making history, but should, we should already be past this, this point. We should already have many, many women in, in coaching positions in all different leagues, because it, it's doesn't matter if you're male or female, if you are the right person for the job, then you should be there. And that's in all aspects of employment, period. It doesn't matter, you know, just directed at sports here. So obviously I care, but I wish that we were already past these this point in, in that there should already be lots of women involved in sports. And there is more and more and more every, you know, it seems like every year there's definitely been more, especially over the last couple. Um, so this is great. I do, I do really, uh, you know, like this hiring Again, just like you said, it's a low A affiliate. I believe the she, she's going to be the manager of the Tampa team. I can't remember their uh, nickname, but this is great. It, it's really good, and more and more women are going to come up through the through the ranks. And uh, and again, as I had said about so, you know some other topics in the past, I wish we were already past this point. Uh, but it's great that we are at this point now, and uh, and I can't wait to see you know, what Rachel does in the future and, and what pathway this leads for other women uh, coming down uh, the, the pipe here. No, I agree with both of you guys, man. I mean, it's great to see. Um, but like you said, Josh, I mean, it's just something that we should probably get over. I mean, there should be more of them coming on through. You're going to see a lot more coming on through. And it, I don't think it's not going to say big deal for them to do so, but it's just going to be the norm. And I, I think that they're, they're going to do start doing some well things. And that, it, need, it needs to be the norm, Kev. It needs to be the norm. And there's no reason, you know, other than, you know, using just our, our old adage of the uh, of MLB being the old boys club, right? And so the, it needs to change. And this is a great step forward. Uh, it's just too bad that it has taken until 2022 to, uh, to happen. Right. Yeah, I think we should celebrate this because this is huge. Oh, it's, it's absolutely a celebratory uh, moment. I'm just saying that it, it, we should have been celebrating this type of achievement years ago that's agreed agreed for sure no i know that uh, kim though she has um world series rings because she's she's been doing gming for quite some time now she's been doing it with the yankees and so on and so forth so you know kudos to her that's absolutely phenomenal too i I think that there's a big difference from you know that old boys club uh adage when it's a front office person versus somebody on the field an exec yeah because you gotta have kind of like the locker room too but in baseball managers they don't need to get people riled up because everyone's playing for their themselves for the most part in baseball it, it is a team sport but it, it it's more into one of those individual team sports than than uh say hockey football right even basketball you gotta you gotta command the locker room you gotta be a re- the main key thing is being a really good leader and i'm sure she has that but this she is a gr- she. This is a great start, right? It, it'll be interesting to see how it goes in other sports. Like we've already seen, like other coaches in NFL uh-huh. and refs there now are actually like there, there isn't like a head ref yet. I don't think, but no, not yet. The yeah, there there's uh, the sideline judges and stuff like that. So and in the <laughs> NBA too, correct? They have female referees. Yep. Yep. There is hundred percent. Oh yeah, yeah. I remember what's his name. Uh, Djokovic was trying to hit on one the one time. It was freaking hilarious. <laughs> See, that's that's not supposed to happen. Like, no, <laughs> if you're out at a bar, that's one thing, <laughs> not on the court. 
<laughs> she smiled. She gave him a smile. It was corny. It was super corny. <laughs> I mean, it's, yeah, it's Djokovic. I wouldn't think that it's not corny. <laughs> or Jokic, sorry, it's a Djokovic. We're not talking about the Joker here. We're not talking about the other Joker. All right, so another topic we got here is all the coaches that were fired. So that we're just going to go over some of the vacancies that happened here. So the major one we all know about, we've all talked about, Peter got his little sunshine glory that he was right, that he was going to finish with below 500 record. And I think we all agree we don't see him coming back to the NFL unless he restarts his career in the NCAA. So Urban Meyer was fired on the 16th of December. First off, we've covered before. Interim coach Daryl Bevel came in. He didn't fare much better at all. You guys can see the records right there. Denver Broncos' Vic Fangio. Now, he's been with there for three seasons, and he had a sub-500 record there. Not great at all. Didn't make the postseason at once. Big name that was let go was Minnesota Vikings' Mike Zimmer. And he finished with a 72-56-1 over eight seasons. And he made the playoffs in 2015, 17, and 19 with two playoff wins. Uh, this season, he below, finished below 500. Yosh, your favorite coach, yeah, Matt, Matt Nagy of the Bears. So glad he's gone. <laughs> he finished above 500 for yeah, his well. four seasons there. Yeah, not good enough. And he had coach of the year. That's because he went from fucking whore awful to horrible. <laughs> so that's a little bit of that's a step up, you know. It's a step he up. made the playoffs, man. Yep, so did Mike Zimmer. <laughs> Although he couldn't get a win in the playoffs, and he is the in history as the double doink, Mister Mister Parky. Thanks for reminding me, boys. <laughs> uh, so another guy that was fired, uh, rather shocking, from the Miami Dolphins, Brian Flores, with a record of 24 and 25. So he did finish below 500 in three seasons. Now, the cool thing what happened this year was he started the season one and seven before going on a seven-game winning streak becoming the first team in NFL history to have a seven game winning streak and our seven game winning streak and a seven game losing se- streak in the same season. And Flores never made the playoffs, but he still finished with a 500 record this year, even with that seven game losing streak. Joe judge from the giants is gone. Not really a surprise 10 and 23 record. And he's been the third consecutive coach. For the Giants to be fired after just two seasons, that's Ben McAdoo, who didn't finish. He did make the playoffs, but didn't finish above 500. And Pat Shermer, who I think he's had a couple times he's had coaching jobs, but he did not do anything that great with the Giants. Houston Texans, David Culley was fired after a 4-13 record one year. This one was a shocker. And then the infamous... John Gruden was resigned on October 11th for lewd comments from ways back when. And I got a couple records up there for when he had been with Oakland and LA or L, not LA, Las Vegas and Tampa, where he won the Super Bowl. And the interim coach, Rich Basaccia, 
finished with a 7-6 record. And they lost to the Bengals on Saturday night. So my question to you guys is, who in this list do you think deserved not to be fired? And you can pick more than one. So I've got two, maybe three. And the fourth one, I'm kind of like, what the fuck? And only I'm only saying what the fuck is because he was told he wasn't going to go anywhere. So what the fuck is the Giants Joe Judge? They had initially said that they were not going to uh, be moving their, any uh, any coaches, firing that type of thing. And then they turn around the next day and fire him. He wasn't very good. But it's also, you know, you got to look at the, the execs here. You fired a coach after two years, the last six years, you know what I mean? Like two years, two years, two years. So what, like, you got to give some, some guys a, a bit of a chance here. And I don't think that Joe judge is maybe the answer for the giants, nor is the quarterback they have at this point, but you know, and even injury prone Saquon is tough, man. Like you, you know, you expect to put a lot of, a lot of yards behind Saquon and when he can only do it for half a year, every year, that's definitely makes it tough. Um, so this one was kind of a, a what the fuck, just from the sense of they said that they weren't going to fire anybody and then they did. I mean, like you can say that, but NFL teams do that all the time. They say one thing and go Fair right enough. back against it. Right. So yeah. otherwise to me, he wasn't what he, his conferences were terrible calling out Washington clown show and all this stuff like that. Oh, and then, fair enough. Yeah. Then they lose. So it, he, and he, he, there was other things that were happening in the Meadowlands that was really weird too I believe he made them like practice outside in like cold weather just like how he, when he was in New England and stuff like that because he's part of that Belichick tree mm-hmm. and that's kind of the thing here with even with the, someone else that was fired from that tree it, they had issues with uh, GMs and people above them like they just they they're really hard-nosed they try to be Bill which I get it uh, he's, he's he's the best coach to ever coach but you have to establish a winning culture before you go all build Belichick, I think. Mm-hmm, for sure. Uh, another guy for me is David Colley. I just don't think he got the uh, a fair shake. The upper brass gave him fuck all on the field. And, you know, he puts together a shit season, but with nothing to do it with. Now, how, do you, how do you expect a guy to go better than 4-13 when he's got nothing? Yeah, it was brutal what they put on – They for players they put on the field for him. Yeah. Like, I mean, their starting quarterback was Tyrod Taylor at the beginning of the year. And then I don't even know who played after Davis. After he, got hurt. he was actually, if you look at the statistics, he was the best rookie quarterback this year. Really? Yeah. Huh. Well, there you go. Didn't know that, but, but anyway, but you know, you lose, you lose JJ Watt, you lose your superstar Deshaun Watson by no real fault there on that one from the, from the front office, but still they, they gave, Cully nothing to put on the field. He still came up with four wins and a couple of them were pretty big victories. They're against pretty good teams. If I remember. And they almost came up with a fifth against the Tennessee Titans to knock them out of that first round by they made it interesting. That's for sure. So to me, to me, his coaching here was not the issue. It was the, it was the quality of player on the field. And that is tough to, to pin strictly on the head coach. Yeah, I completely agree with you on that one. And then my last one, before I turn over to, to uh, I guess, Kev, see if you, you want to say something. Of course, you know, I'm fine with Bears things. So I don't need to say that. <laughs> uh, but Flores, uh, I think that's 
uh, I thought that was a crazy firing. I was shocked. I thought he did pretty well. I thought that, you know, now that Tua is, is back healthy and, you know, he's got some experience under his belt. It seemed like sure. The very, the beginning of the season, like you said, just one and seven wasn't great, but their seven game winning streak was, was phenomenal. You know, they lost that eighth game and then they came back and won uh, the, the last, the, you know, the game after that. So I thought they were pointing in the right direction, obviously need a little bit uh, more help uh, on both sides of the ball, but what team can't use more help. Right. So I, I figured for sure they'd keep him around. Uh, even if it was, I'm not sure if his contract was up or what have you, but uh, I would have, I would have stuck it out for another year if I was uh, the Dolphins uh, head brass there. Yeah. That, that one's a shocker to me too, because he is a great defensive coach. Uh, what I read was that there was a lot of infighting, more infighting here. Again, Bill, he's part of the Belichick tree. He was fighting with the management or the GM. I think his name's Chris Greer. And with the owner as well, he was, they wanted them to go after Watson, Deshaun Watson there. Cause you obviously, we heard about the rumors that happened midway through the season. And he says that there was also a quote out there that he'd rather have Mac Jones over Tua, the other Alabama quarterback. And he didn't get that cause he doesn't make those decisions. He just gets the players he dealt and, puts the team together and tries to win football games. But this one was a shocker to me. But again, if I get like, you got to push back to the brass here and there, but saying like two is a a number five overall pick. Like, yeah, he hasn't looked great, but he's also been, he hasn't made a whole lot of mistakes. So I don't know where his, where his future is going, but he still has a lot to prove but he looks like he can play as long as he can stay healthy. And that was the thing was their line. O-line was terrible, but he had that defense humming Flores. And that was a specialty, right? Mm-hmm. So I agree with you. That one would kind of shock me too. And I think he didn't deserve to be fired, but now, oh. now it looks like the bears might get him, right? Yeah. It looks that <laughs> way. I mean, they at least interviewed him. So, and for me, that's the, uh, actually I was going to ask a, a second question after that is, is who you thought maybe some of the, where these, some of these names would go. All right. Well, we'll, we'll, we'll I'll, I'll answer some of those. I think I, I got a couple that I think might happen, but Kev, what are you, what are your thoughts on here? I had the same two that Josh just talked about. I mean, folds and uh, you know, the giants uh, judge. I mean, I was talking to a friend of mine and you know, the giants, he was a little upset with that, that firing and you know, I just give these guys chances. I mean, the records kind of speak for themselves there guys. The other one that I, I, thought, I sorry, go ahead, Kevin. No, I was just going to say, I, there's nothing else for me to say because you both basically threw it out of my mouth as well. So, <laughs> I mean, I just totally agree with the both of you in regards to those two firings. The other one that's kind of, you know, I don't know about is Vic Fangio. Like he, he is another guy, he's, you know, good coach, but like he wasn't really given a whole lot to, to work with. Like no quarterback. I mean, Locke was shit. But Teddy B is Teddy B. You know, like you're, I think they had Wacko Joe Flacco the year before, uh, right? Drew Log. So, like, not a whole lot there. Like, defensively, the Broncos have been strong, you know, over the last handful of years, but then they just got rid of or not got rid of, but traded uh, Von Miller. So, you know, that's that's a big loss on the defensive front. So, it it's a it's a tough one for Fangio. 
to get booted when, you know, yeah, he's got, he had more talent than, than the giants or, or the, uh, the Texans, but I mean, I guess you look at his record, uh, you know, 19 and 30 over three seasons, you can see that was better than the other two guys, but not by a whole lot. And I'd still think that Fangio is a pretty good coach. So maybe some extra personnel could have helped him there too. But so Jess, where do you think some of these guys are going? Okay. Well, I'm not sure where Brian Flores is. He's a hot name right now. Uh, one for the David Colley, which I thought was a shocker to that for them to fire him after one season, no talent surrounding him. But I thought that they're going to be going and looking at Jared Mayo or Gerard Mayo, I think his name is. The old linebacker from New England who plays mm-hmm. on, who's on New England staff. I think that's yep. where they're going to go because Houston's always been Houston Texans always been known as Little New England because they always they got Bill O'Brien beforehand. They got a GM in there that was from the New England staff or was part of their executive group or something like that. And I believe they're going to go get this guy. So there's another coach from Bill O'Cheek's tree that's going to be out there. And I don't know why why the Houston Texans are going to try and do this twice, twice over. It seems ridiculous to me. Is Gerard Mayo currently coaching? Yeah. Yeah, he's he's I I would think he's like D line or something like or not D line, a uh, linebacker. Huh. Mm-hmm. Okay. So not a whole lot of experience coaching in general because he, he didn't retire that long ago. No, no, not at all. And but, then to throw him in there as a potential head coach, that's that's pressure. You could say the same thing about Vrabel, though. Yeah, fair enough. And he's been a fucking great coach. So. He's been an amazing coach. Yep, fair enough. And so he, th- this is my, where it might work better. I think Vrabel start, didn't start on any of New England staff. I think he was with um, KC, maybe. I don't know. I don't remember. But... Sounds like a challengeable moment if any of us had an idea well, where. <laughs> well, you, you definitely get. You can definitely try and challenge me and figure out who, who, and guess where. Because I mean, like, yeah, that's the problem. It could still be where. New England. Like, I, I honestly, I don't think it was, but I don't think he was ever on their coaching staff. I, I think it was Casey's. But he, he, he went from playing underneath both really good coaches and Andy Reid and Bilicek and. He went from there to the Titans job and has flourished. So the other one, I honestly, I, you got, oh, what's the other, the enemy, I believe the KCOC. Yep. Now where I think he might go is Miami. Maybe I think Miami's looking to get an offensive guy. And then what would be really slick if uh, the Jaguars did it? He has, doesn't have a whole lot of experience, but would uh, the Jaguars go with Brian Leftwich? Mm-hmm. I think that would be huge because he was the quarterback there for a few years, did pretty good, got them to the the playoffs, I believe. And like, there's not much you can look at to the Jags being successful, but like there was there was a time with Byron Leftwich at the helm. Byron Leftwich, I think, has the slowest release of all time in the NFL. It is so slow. He winds up like he's throwing a fucking fastball every single time. It just takes so long. (laughs) It starts off at your like knees. Like he holds it down. (laughs) Yeah. Down there. He doesn't hold it up to have a quick. Wrap it around. It's way back here. 
yeah, yeah i always remember watching him and laughing and who was the other guy too there was another guy that was the same way byron leftwich and the net the guy that uh succeeded him uh bortles no maybe it was preceded him there was two guys that were almost identical type players for jacksonville Jacksonville has had a few quarterbacks come through there. So yeah, uh, fair enough. That's probably <laughs> nothing why none of us can remember. Yeah, nothing really rememberable. Another big coaching name. I don't know where there it's gonna go. Uh is Kel Moore. I think I think he might get hired somewhere. And maybe Debo from uh the OC from the Bills. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I think he might have a chance. But a lot of coaches like to get their there are a lot of teams like to get their coaches early and then start their their next season. And they don't yeah, like for wait, sure. waiting for all the guys in the guys that made the playoffs that are probably pretty good coaches and they don't want to get them because they don't want to wait, which is, I find, I think it's very stupid. Yeah. Unless, unless it's a super thin year, then maybe for coaching staff, but it usually never is. So I don't see why you uh, wouldn't wait. You know, like the, the Bears have been talking about like all kinds of, oh, we've interviewed this guy, interviewed that guy. That's great. But they haven't hired a GM yet. So wouldn't you think you should hire your GM so that he has a hand in hiring your head coach so that you can all be on the same page when you're, you know, when you're going to get players and so on and so forth? That would I mean, be my thought process. But That's the thing too, especially if you're going with Brian Flores because he had issues with the old GM. So you're going to hire the, G- the the coach and then he gets to pick his players and you get hire the GM afterwards. And right. like, who's, who's, on, who has the final decision, right? Yeah. Who's the boss? Exactly. So yeah, it's, it's interesting the way they, they seem to be going at it. Mm-hmm. Who knows? Who knows? Maybe they'll end up hiring the GM first, but it just seems like they're looking to hire the coach first, but enough about me. This week's MVP for season two, episode two of PNP is TJ Watt, who tied Michael Strahan's NFL single season sack record with 27, 23 seconds left in the first half, Steelers and Ravens. Uh, <laughs> so it's tied at 22.5. That is the record. And that's huge because he did that in 15 games due to injury so he missed it on two games but he still managed to do it straight handed it in 16 so this is very impressive and he almost beat the record we he thought he beat the record or tied it at least uh after a parent's sack in the first quarter was but it was judged afterwards as a fumble fumbled snap by huntley which then turned the quarterback into a runner and it didn't count everyone was celebrating that he tied it and then they took it away from him. So he, he, he could have gotten the record, the sole Soul, record, yeah. which is crazy. And it's pretty crazy that this guy managed to do this in 15 games. Now, he did do it in an 18-week schedule. Do you guys think there's an asterisk there? No, because he did it in 15 games. To me, that's just as good as doing it in a 17 game season. Like, okay, I'm I'm not gonna tell you what I think of it until afterwards. But I'm just playing devil advocate right here. 
he wouldn't have been able to get the rec tie the record if the 18th week wasn't there though i guess Ken, what are your thoughts oh sorry go ahead well, i was just said he still did it in 15 games like doesn't matter when those 15 games were he still did it but in last year he, he wouldn't have gotten the record but last year he would have been hurt for that amount of time too though right maybe maybe yeah not. exactly i mean he might not have been hurt so maybe he would have got it right i mean it, it there's oh, not okay you can't, you I, can't i'm trying change. i know but i'm what i'm what i'm saying is that there's literally an extra week there that appeared compared to last year like i get like yeah he might not have been hurt last year and everything like that but if we were just sticking to the regular rules where we didn't have the week 18 you guys are saying this is not an asterisk at all so did strahan play in all the games the year that he set the the record I believe so yeah. yeah i don't challenge that i'm gonna challenge i don't think he played all the games all right can check that i just think like if he played all the games that he would have played 16 and if if Watt does it in 15 that is what i'm saying is he's still hurt so without no. that 18th week, he wouldn't have gotten that sack. Right. I see. So he yeah. would have finished with one sack less. Yeah. I know what you're saying. I, I just because of the way, I mean, it's, it's not like, it's not like TJ had a choice that the season was going to be extended. And I know what you're saying that he does. He wouldn't have gotten that extra game. So he would have ended up one down, but because there was that extra game, I still think it's just as impressive and the fact that he did it in the 15 as opposed to 17 is still pretty good with me. I like it. So do I. I think, I think it's a huge accomplishment. And I mean, to be injured and then still be able to do it, even if you want to count the 18th. But no, man, very impressive. I mean, the guy was ecstatic when he did it. And when he finally knew that he got that 22 and a half, I was happy for him too, man. I think that was huge. All right. So I agree completely with you guys. I don't think it's an asterisk. I think you can only be dealt with what he's played with. I was just playing devil's advocate to get there, but <laughs> but I I believe like because you could such argue an asshole. <laughs> <laughs> you could argue a bunch of this stuff because like they used to play fourteen games and stuff like that before they went to sixteen, right? Do you still consider uh, Eric Dickerson's rushing record to be an asterisk because uh, OJ had the record at that point? And he did in fourteen games and he. He did it with he got to 2014 games. So yeah, yeah. I I I I personally think that this is silly, this asterisk thing, even with uh, the whole thing with Cup, if he got the receiving record. Because right now he is he's gotten had the best season for a wide receiver ever. Right now, he's got better than Jerry Rice and he didn't get that. He was 18 yards off Calvin Johnson. Yeah, he had another game, but there was only one game where he was not below 90 yards. I mean, one game, he was only one game that he was below 90 yards, which is consistency. That's crazy consistency. And Kev, for your, your challenge, he played when he got the record with 22 and a half sacks, he played 16 games. God damn it. Yeah, he played the whole season. I just, just found that too. <laughs> Anyways, do you guys think that he deserves the DPOY, the defensive player of the rear? Year? I do. I for sure think he should. I mean, for the accomplishment alone. 
I think he should. And because he did it in 15 games. Right. <laughs> yeah, I'm 100% behind him on this. I think he's the odds man to get it. For sure. I thought he should have got it last year. Of course, we know how that went down. He didn't. Yep. I mean, you and I, Jess, we fucking argued a bit last season. Of course, Aaron Donald got it. Uh, it was deserving for sure. He, he, he almost made a stake for it at the end there. And then TJ Watt exploded and was like, fuck this guy. Yeah. <laughs> didn't, didn't TJ have four sacks against Cleveland? Something like that. It was fucking insane. This yeah. Year. He, he, there were some games where he, he had multiple sacks over two. Like it was wild. Like against that one game, ah, Peter lost actually. I remember. Um, <laughs> right after he had COVID. So he didn't miss a game because of COVID. He almost did. So he almost only played 14 games and he had three and a half sacks in that game against Lamar. And then he affected that pass on that two point conversion. And that's what a defensive player of the year does. He, he doesn't get a stat for that, but he fucking affects the play. And that's what AD does, right? Yipper. So he's helped me win my fucking fantasy championship this year. Leading my defense. Especially down the stretch there. He was yep. fucking killing it. Fucking right. Anyways, you, TJ, congratulations. Cheers. Oh, fuck. Fucking splash all over the place. For those of you listening uh, on Spotify or Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, you can't see us. Sorry. <laughs> we're doing the old video podcast now people at youtube get to see us waving pointing drinking kev's making a bunch of faces he's now changed his wardrobe (laughs) (laughs) and uh well it is what it is if you want to see what we're talking about might have to move on over to youtube but if not we're good with you listening on spotify we'd love it we'd love it very on media outlets (laughs) yes that's right all right so Next topic up, we had a long, extensive conversation about, uh, I believe it was yesterday, is on Thursday night between the Chicago Blackhawks and the Montreal Canadiens, Philip Kurashev scored an overtime goal that was quite controversial. Uh, Two things with this goal. One was the potential offside, onside call. Uh, Next was the net. Was it on or off? My first reaction regarding the offside, when I first saw it, 100% offside. Yeah, I was right there with you. Yeah, so he touched it. It seems that he touches the puck when it's in the neutral zone, and it looks like he's fully in the uh, the attacking zone. Uh, now, with old rules, he definitely would have been offside because his one foot was up in the air when the other one was completely into the zone. But with a new rule adjustment in 2021, uh, they changed it so that it was more like the NFL end zone where that blue line extends vertically. And as long as your skate is within that plane or behind that plane, I I guess I should say, you're technically onside. And that was exactly the case here. His foot after, you know, we talked about it. We we debated it for hours and I, I watched and I watched and I watched this video and it's tough to see, but by the looks of things, his foot is on the blue line, although it's in the air, it's still, it hasn't passed the plane yet where he would be offside. Um, so 
again, my initial thought was, no, nope, this is offside. Fucking bullshit. Can't believe they let this goal <laughs> through. But after looking at it and reading the rule and this rule change, which I had no idea about. And obviously that's why my first reaction was, nope, no goal. But uh, after reading this rule and, and getting a handle on things, I have conceded it is it was a good goal, uh, or at least it was onside. Let's put it that way. It was onside. Uh, although I'm still not a huge fan of this rule change. Um, for me, I would prefer to see, and apparently they do have, but I would have preferred to see blue line cameras like they have in the NFL with uh, the pylon cameras that would run right down the end zone line. And that way you could tell straight away if a player's foot is on the line or not. Now you could likely do the same thing with the plane, but I still feel like that's a little bit more subjective than if it's on the line or not, as long as you have perfect camera view down, down the line, of course, you're never going to always get perfect because the linesman's in the way. There's another player in the way, what have you. Um, so what do you guys think about the rule change? Do you think that, like, do you think that the rule needed to be changed from having to have your foot on the ice and, and coming across the blue line? Or do you think that the rule was fine? Personally, I think the rule was fine. I don't think it needed to be changed. I like that new rule. One, because if you're going to do like a little cross. Kev likes a new rule? <laughs> Holy. If you're going to do a cross, if you're crossing one another to make it like a design play, and for you to be able to do so, you're going to have to have that leg in the air so you can have the puck kind of go through you. Mm-hmm. Right. So with that being done, I, I love this. I love the fact that your foot can be off the ground as long as it doesn't cross the plane. Mm-hmm. I think that's a beauty. I think they should have been doing this for the longest time. Yeah. I, I wish I he was it. here to give his, his two cents being, you know, the major hockey guy here on uh, points. Nah, penalties, really but... <laughs> Fuck him, right. But he probably would have had a bitch beer today anyways. <laughs> So you'd have been drinking water today. <laughs> <laughs> Near beer. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so I, I was with Yosha on this and then I kind of had a, I just kind of sat back and thought about it a little bit. Like I understand what they're trying to do here. I think they're trying to get more scoring involved. And if a guy has to slow down to make sure his skate is on the ice and touching that blue line, he loses all his speed. And we all know how fast the NHL is now compared to back in the seventies or the eighties, whatever, 15 years ago. Like these guys are ridiculously quick now. And so I get why they're changing. They're trying to get more scoring and they're trying to get more offensive possessions in, in the offensive zone. And those breaks will, will get them without him slowing down. What I want to see is like, like you said, you want that camera down the line. I was thinking like sky cams or something. Yeah, that would work. That that would be better actually because then you no don't have in anybody way. in your way. Yeah, yeah, no one's in your way. I think that's exactly. for sure. Sky cam. Yeah, so then you can see like because you can see a guy just like if he's just putting his foot like out like just on one skate, just sticking it straight out, kind of like a figure skater almost. Mm-hmm. But if he's got the puck and he's running across the line, you could like that's a big like six foot difference with even bigger with a stick and the puck, right? Like if you can, you can uh, get that distance, that's a huge, huge upgrade for the offense. So I, I was with Yosh. I was like, this is dumb. Like, but then I felt like I was like, Oh, I'm part of that old boys club. So and changing, it might be better. So I, I think this is, uh, 
I think now it's a better, it's a, it's a good rule change, but we got to get better with the camera views for sure. Right. And I think the camera views. So I was talking to uh, one of our sub hosts, Graham. Uh, he came out a couple times in season one and, and he had told me that all ranks do have the blue line cameras. Now I tried to look it up to try and see, you know, if he was just blowing smoke up my ass or what, but I, what I found was in 2016 that the playoff teams had installed blue line cameras. That was 2016. By then you've got to think by now that all the teams have it, but that view apparently is not available to TV at all times, which, okay. I understand that, but I mean, we're the reason you're playing. The fans are the reason you're playing. So show us and show that's, that's my opinion. So I think that they, if there are these cameras and they need to be, the, the, the fans need to be able to see those views when there is a potential review like this, whether it be challenged or not, uh, when there is some sort of review, the fans need to see it. Um, I mean, it's the NHL. They, they don't really criticize themselves of the fans a whole. <laughs> so it's got a, a lot of dumb rules. And we argued about this one too. We thought it was, I was with you a hundred percent of the way. This was like, this is a dumb rule. And then yeah, you just got to sit back, maybe read a bu- up on like some of the, positives of it and everything like that and when i first saw it happen i believe it was hyman in the the bubble playoffs when i saw him do that i'm thinking that's fucking brilliant that was brilliant to be able to do so and have that play still be called onside brilliant i still think it's a bit more subjective than the the foot on the ice super subjective But, but if you could add the overhead camera to every rink then I think you can negate that subjectiveness or some of it, and it would make uh, you know better calls. And that's what we're all looking for, right? The right call. And we want to see the evidence. We don't we want to see fucking it exactly. hiding it just exactly. for your your eyes only. I mean, they, when the the play that happened that offside when you and Pedro were at a hockey game, you didn't get to see what I showed you as a pitcher, right? I mean, we mentioned that in, in uh, the first episode or season one. But, I mean, I think you guys should be able to have that view like they do in football. Football throw shows all that views yes. in regards to fans have a reaction before the fucking play is even said. So I think they should do the same thing in yeah. hockey. Baseball doesn't do it either. So baseball doesn't show the replays, anything that's being challenged, and same with hockey. When there's a challenge or just a review, they do not show the people in the rink. And, nope. and I think that's or stupid. Or the stadium, whatever, yeah. yeah. Uh, I think that's dumb. Um, I understand where they come from for doing that because, you know, the fans are always going to see it the home team's way and there's going to be, you know, cheering and booing. But I mean, that's what we're, we're there for as fans. We're there to cheer and boo. So let us cheer and boo. But usually it's not the refs or umps or whatever making the call. Not it's the final the, call. Yeah. It, it's the people up uh, wherever. In, in New York. Call. Yeah. The New <laughs> yeah, York yeah. making these calls, right? It's not supposed to be the people on the ring because they're not supposed to be so even bother with that right right so uh and then the second part to that uh that goal was so not only was it potentially offside but the the net was also potentially off its moorings when this goal went in so my understanding of the of the rule here is if a puck is heading towards the net and the net is knocked off its moorings by a defensive player. As long as the puck continues past the goal line before a whistle, even if the net is off, the goal will be awarded. That's my understanding of the rule. 
what I would like to know is how, and I'm sure you guys won't be able to answer this, but I'd like still to get your take is how can the NHL justify awarding a goal? If the net is off its moorings that when the net's off its moorings, the whistle is supposed to be blown. So how can you award a goal when it maybe didn't happen or when the, when the whistle is supposed to be blown? From my understanding of it is as long as those um, peg posts, I mean, the ones that are in the ice and in the, in the actual net, yep, those, are the those things are still considered either attached to one another, then that basically net is still considered down. So as long as they're touching each other, yes. then it's, then they're connected. The net is still on its moorings. Is as they on say. its moorings. Yeah. I mean, okay. That's fair. Uh, from what I saw in this goal, the net was off its mooring for me and then the puck went in. So I don't understand how they can, how they can justify saying, you know what? It was close. We'll give you the goal. I don't like that. I don't like just giving somebody a goal. Imagine somebody in football, just, you know what? You were at the 99 and three quarter (laughs) half yard line. Like we're, you know what? You were close. We're just going to give you a touchdown. To me, it doesn't fly. You can't just give teams points. So what I would have liked to have seen is because the defensive player knocked the, the net off, I would like to see a penalty given to that defensive player because he's trying to prevent a goal. He's delaying the game. Right. He's delaying the game. Yeah, exactly. And trying to prevent a goal that are not in, you know, not, not the way you're supposed to give him a penalty. And that obviously gives the other team the power play and then score your goal, you know, if you can, if you can, and and at least at least that still gives the defensive team a shot at not being having a goal essentially taken away, you know, because you're giving the other team a goal just because well it was close. That's the way I kind of see it. Um, I was personally shocked. I was honestly personally shocked that that goal was actually allowed myself. I mean, just by the replay that I saw, based on the moorings like, or based on the offside, or both. I'd say based on the moorings, the goal. I mean, not the offside. The offside to me was fine. Okay. I mean, the I mean, it wasn't offside, but that goal, I was like, "What? Are you kidding?" But that again, I, I to, to me, I, I still, to me, I saw the posts are still connected between the moorings. Okay. So I thought they were disconnected on the the right post. I guess if yeah. you were the offensive player coming in, um, it, to me, it looked like the right. It, to me, it looked like the right post was off. Um, and the puck just kind of like slipped past the fucking line too. It was like, right. you don't think that would have been fucking saved. Right. If, if the guy isn't pushing the net off, he's probably doing a little bit more out front to stop that puck. Right. That's why I think give him the fucking penalty instead. And then, yeah, and then like no, it, you know. that was probably going to get saved. I, I thought you gotta, you gotta use some context in that. Like, I know we have to go by the letter of the law and whatever it is, but that, it just barely crossed the fucking the goal line. Like it's to me, that was just that was brutal. It's like, oof. No wonder I'm seeing this replay everywhere. <laughs> a lot of weird shit going on. Yeah. So when I was talking to Graham about this one, uh, he had referred me to another another video where uh, this basically happened with the Leafs. Uh, they scored a goal, and this one it was basically the same you know, the ruling was essentially the same, but I'm watching this goal and uh, I'm not sure who was against. Now I can't remember. Um, Might've been Boston, Um, but it was, it was brutal to me. So they're saying as long as the puck is heading towards the net, 
and then the, the net gets knocked off, it's okay. It would be a goal. In this this one that Graham showed me, and this was the he sent me this video to kind of explain this uh, the rule, I guess. And the net was well off, and then there was a pass made, and then a shot, and the shot went in at, even after the net was off, and they called it a goal. And like you know, you say, oh, you're a Leaf fan, you're gonna be okay with it. I was when I saw this video, I'm like, that's bullshit. There's no way that should have been a goal, because it, it like I said. I'll give you if the if the puck is already heading towards the net and then it gets knocked off the net does okay fine okay I'll give you that maybe it's a goal like like this one uh, Montreal Chicago but in the case of the Leaf under like I said I'm pretty sure it's Boston he shot it I think it might have been Marner doesn't matter who it was but they shot it and it was well after the net was off his boomerangs no whistle goal counted I couldn't fucking believe it when I saw it I'm like this is fucking worse. Like, <laughs> We should be talking about this one that happened like two months ago, <laughs> but obviously that's not our MO here. So, but wasn't an OT winner, probably. No, exactly. It? So, no, it wasn't. But so, so anyway, uh, I don't think that the goal should have counted on that. But again, if the the like I said, just letter of the law, if that if that's what the rule is, I don't like it. I don't think you should be awarding goals for nothing or for maybes because that's to me what it is. Um, I don't know. That's... Or for slow rollers. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like like you said, Jess, you don't tell me somebody doesn't get their stick there in front of that puck before it slides over. If the net's not knocked off, I, I have a feeling somebody does. So. But anyway, that's, uh, that's about the gist of me for NHL today, boys. Well done. Well done. All right, so we're going to head into a game that was great because we're all deep down Bills fans. Homers. Yeah, for sure. Into several games. And they had a historic offensive night. They is what you did for like MLB version. Pitched a perfect game. Yep. At least offensive. I guess pitch is more defense. So, but offensively, they beat the snot out of the Patriots. So Bills become the first team in NFL history to to pitch a perfect perfect offensive game in a, the playoff win over the Patriots. So what we talk about for it being perfect, the Bills never punted, kicked a field goal, nor, nor turned over the ball or turnover on downs. The first team in league history to go an entire game with no kicks, no punts, or turnovers. Amazing. Fuck it, right? That's amazing. <laughs> if TJ Watt did not... Tie the record, yeah, hundred percent, hundred percent. And their defense was MVP in last season. Yep. <laughs> so yeah, that's that's a good take from Yosh because uh, yeah, you got them to win it. Yeah, you have them win the Super Bowl, and I thought that they they played, especially offensively, terribly. They played Atlanta Falcons and the Jets, notoriously bad defenses, and struggled. Well, they showed up, showed up when it matters, right? Yeah, man. They were so ang- they were so angry about the last time the, the Patriots played in Orchard Park that <laughs> Mac Jones only threw three passes <laughs> and one. Yep. Well, we don't talk about that in Buffalo anymore. So <laughs> we talk about the time we beat the snot out of them <laughs> in the playoffs. Well, I think I think there's a lot of motivation here. Hundred <laughs> percent. And then 
to go along with this perfect game so far, it's Buffalo's Buffalo's first negative play from scrimmage came to the second to final play of the game, which was a kneel down from your boy Trubisky. Hey, at least Allen <laughs> didn't get the minus yards, right? <laughs> it doesn't matter, man. The stats he put up, like that, does not hurt you at all. Like <laughs> no, five for sure. TDs for sure. I, I, a minus one yard. It's not even a minus one. It's a point. Is it a minus? It'd be a, yeah, it's about a yard. Yeah, point one. Yeah. yeah. yeah so, or point, point one, minus point one. Yeah. So the Bills scored their first on their first seven possessions, the first team in NFL playoff history to accomplish this feat. And so we're going to go over a few more things that happened here. So, scored a touchdown on every single possession, minus the kneel downs, averaged 12.3 yards per pass. Average six yards per rush, did not take a sack, went six for seven on third down, and the only third down they did not convert was the final kneel down of the game. Had more touchdown passes, five than completions, incompletions, four, and gained yards on 49 of 51 plays, excluding the kneel downs. And like we said, the only negative plays were the kneel downs. The 47 points were the most points a Bill Bill Belichick team has given up in a playoff game, including his time as head coach and defensive coordinator. Yeah, that is fucking totally mind blowing. Mind fucking blowing. Like this, it was so good. So obviously I was watching the game and first two series, they drive down for touchdowns. Third series, they drive down. I'm like, there's no way they get another touchdown here. I'm like, they're, they're going to stop them. They'll kick a field goal. Nope. Pretty sure it was De- Devin Singletary ran around the edge and scored. And just at the third one, I'm like, holy fuck. Like it's 21 to nothing. I'm pretty sure that's what it was at that point. And I'm like, this game is already over and I can't believe it. And then they just kept coming and kept coming and kept coming. And the defense wasn't half bad. Micah Hyde made a phenomenal interception in the end zone. Like saw that. over the shoulder catch, like it was beauty. I'm like, like a wide receiver. He looked like the wideout, 100, percent 100. It was. They played great. Just absolutely loved it, and I can't wait to see them face. Uh, well, likely KC, uh, but we'll see. They're uh, scoreless right now between the uh, KC and and the Steelers, but that would likely be who they're going to play, and uh, and that's going to be a hell of a game. I'll tell you that much. That'll be a hell of a game. Yeah, I'm so happy this happened against Bill. So happy. Oh, yeah. Bill needs to take a fucking seat <laughs> for sure. And another thing about this game, this is the first game that Bill Belichick, or sorry, not the Bill Belichick, Patriots did not have Tom Brady starting in a playoff game since 98. Wow. Yeah. Wow. So it, it, it's pretty interesting. So I think we can all agree Tom Brady made Belichick. <laughs> or Belichick made Brady. I think it's I think it's Tom Brady made Belichick. I mean, Tom is still playing at the top of his game, and he's got the Bucks in the second round of the playoffs, and Bill's got his team playing golf. So yeah, like he he's I think this is maybe second or third season, including when he was in Cleveland or yeah, Cleveland. That he's made the playoffs, so he's a one playoff win without Tom Brady. And in Cleveland, he wasn't that great either until his final season. Then he got 
traded to fucking New England. So I gotta ask you guys, what's what's uh up with this um rubber uh kind of toy that was thrown onto the field? <laughs> oh fuck. That's the Bills Mafia. The Bills, Bills Mafia, Mafia just sit there and just all right, we're just gonna throw this uh little toy on the field and say kind of a screw you. I mean, I don't know. It didn't look very little to me, man. <laughs> Do you know what color it was? Is it purple? Was it pink? Uh, it, it, it was no, it was um, Caucasian flesh color. <laughs> it was Buffalo Bill color. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> so what Kev is getting at is a, a dildo was thrown into the end zone on uh, New England's lone touchdown. Lone touchdown? Or one of their no, touchdowns. No, they had they had two. They had so two it, was Ken, it was it was Kendrick Bourne touchdown. Okay, so on one of the touchdowns, they threw a fucking a, a dildo into the end zone, and not just a dildo, like it had balls and everything. This fucking <laughs> <laughs> so they threw it onto the field, obviously as a fuck you to the Patriots. And so, Jess, I think you shared the the video in our group chat, and I watched it three times. I'm like, what the fuck where is this dildo that's talking about <laughs> and then the third time i saw it laying on the fucking ground right basically where it says bills or buffalo or whatever in the end zone yeah. and i finally saw it i'm like that is fucking funny that is commitment from the bills mafia because that was they didn't score until like was it the third quarter or fourth quarter or something yeah exactly like that? <laughs> yeah waiting and waiting and waiting <laughs> and then also you gotta like i mean you gotta you gotta bring that into the stadium right so like yeah so like you're getting... he was strapped. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, maybe you just put it down his pants and be like, "Yo, man, I'm big. What do you want?" Like, <laughs> who knows? But I mean, if it's in his pocket, somebody's gonna give him the pat down and be like, "Yo, is this a gun in your pocket, or are you just happy to see me?" Like, what's up? <laughs> well, we all know, like going into the Bills uh, stadium too, like it's it's crowded. So he was right up against someone with them. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, 100%. 100%. I thought that was pretty funny when you saw that, uh, where you sent that video. Oh, that, was, that was wild. Those guys are awesome. I saw another video. It was before the game started, and Buddy's on his fucking his Bill's Mafia RV, and he fucking jumps off the top of the RV and smashes into a table, which is normal. You know, smashing tables is normal for Bill's Mafia. But off the yeah. top of an RV, I thought was pretty fucking good. <laughs> he puts his beer down too. He's like, I can't jump with my beer. I got to put my beer down. I don't want to spill it. Yeah, and he jumps in it. So that's that's typical Bills Mafia. It's uh, they're gonna be loud and proud uh, if KC wins. They're gonna be loud and proud going to Arrowhead Stadium. I guarantee it. There'll be a ton of fans there. Uh, should be uh, should be pretty good. So does anyone think that I know we're going to go back to the offensive here, but can you think of another postseason with this kind of offense output? So one that comes to mind for me, sorry, Kev, go ahead. No, I got nothing, man. I mean, the only one that comes to my mind is this one. I mean, this is, this is, I don't think this is ever going to happen again. Well, I mean, offensively, there's probably not one that's going to match this for a long time, if ever. Um, but the one that comes to mind for me as a top offensive game in the playoffs is the 09 NFC wildcard game. And so that was uh, Kurt Warner's Arizona uh, Cardinals against the second year Aaron Rodgers, Green Bay Packers. And uh, the pack were down at one point 31, 10. 
end up coming back to tie it, go into overtime. Uh, Rogers throws a deep pass to uh, Greg Jennings or heading towards Greg Jennings, ends up throwing it long and high. Two plays later, strip sack and return for a touchdown by Carlos Dansby, I believe. Yeah, Carlos Dansby and to win the game. So this this game was 40, 46, 35. There was 96, 96 or 97 uh, points scored. And it's the highest scoring NFL football, uh, playoff game of all time. So obviously that's huge when you have the highest scoring. That, that's why I, I thought about it. Here, How much all, was it? Sorry, I'm pretty sure it was 96 or 97 points total scored. One of the two. Um, so for me, being a, a super offensive game, it's got to be that one. Um, and then probably one game that everybody would remember has got to be the 08 Super Bowl between uh, Pittsburgh and Arizona. And that was the big one with Santonio Holmes uh, in the corner. So yeah. Right. Corner. And so that's another big offensive game. Although it wasn't massive, like total points and whatnot, just the end of it was just phenomenal. Yeah. No, I remember that catch, man, where the guy was just sit there and just tippy toes. And it was a yeah, great was, catch. That was, that was phenomenal. That was, that was like, wow. Yeah. Okay. I got one for you that's been fairly recent. So back in 2020, I guess, but it was a 2019 season. Uh, divisional round, KC versus Houston. Okay. So H- Houston, who we talk about, it was Bill O'Brien and everything like that, and off the Bill of Check tree. So this is kind of shot at him too. I'm gonna, I'm, I'm, I'm stretching here, but I think it's a shot at him. <laughs> so Houston went up twenty-four nothing, and then the Chiefs came back and reeled off forty-one consecutive points. Wow. Yeah cruising to a 51-31 victory. And yeah, that's, 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 that's pretty Mah- good. That's Mahomes in the playoffs, bud. Yeah, that's, for sure. That's what he does. And that's why I have them to win it this yeah, year. Yeah, I, I saw you, you you picked them to win. I was like, oh, that was a good pick. I would definitely win super homer. Me and Peter went super homer. Bud. I mean, all of our picks are are not bad picks. Like, oh, fuck, bud. I already lost two of them. No, I mean, I mean, just mean the Super Bowl pick, okay, like the gotcha. final, final Super Bowl winner. Like each of those teams could could win for sure. So, I mean, there are definitely some teams that I didn't think had a chance uh, at the beginning of the playoffs, but those four teams that we chose—the Bills, the Titans, the Rams, and the Chiefs—to uh, to me could uh, could all easily. It's win nice that like we got all different kind too. Yeah, yeah, like, for different sure. teams. Sure. Well, wait till we have the uh the pet pick i mean we do that uh every year right oh yeah 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 yeah, yeah. we'll have to uh we'll have to let our listeners slash viewers know maybe we'll even video it this year oh that'd be awesome i'll video mine I, we videoed mine last year did we I think so okay yeah. maybe we'll post it next year <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> All right, guys, we're, we're running out of time here. So in, uh, in order to save time, we've decided that we're just going to do one collective penalty box. Which is all agreed upon. I mean, this is fucking pretty sick. Whatever. Carry on, Yosh. <laughs> this yeah. is, yeah, it's 
I mean, it's not horrible, but it's goofy for sure. So on Tuesday night, Raptors came up short versus Devin Booker and the Phoenix Suns. But that's not where this story ends. So due to COVID regulations, next to no fans in the stadium uh, in Toronto. And, but one fan did get under Devin Booker's skin just enough where he had to complain to officials to have this fan moved from the location he was in. This fan causing Booker's havoc? None other than the Raptors mascot. As he should be in the right to do so. So the mascot was jumping up and down, creating a distraction while Booker was attempting some game-stealing free throws and, you know, got got distracted, bitched and moaned, had the refs move him. Uh, the Raptor ended up going into the corner, just kind of sat there on a knee and was, you know, I mean, it's a mascot, so he obviously can't tell exactly what he's doing, but it looked like he was staring Booker down. And so Booker said in an interview that his teammates do the same thing to him all the time. Uh, while he's shooting in practice and whatnot, he complains to them too. He said, that's just me. Basically, he just wants to have nothing behind the free throw line or sort of behind the net while he's shooting free throws. And I can understand that. Why would you want somebody distracting you? Here's my thing. You are a professional <laughs> basketball player. When there are all kinds of fans in the stadium, there are 200 people right right behind you, you know, screaming, yelling. Well, they have, don't they have those little the thunder sticks? sticks yeah, the man. fucking wiggly sticks, like, you know, wacky wailing inflatable tube man is there. Like, <laughs> yeah. you know, there's all kinds of shit. You got, you know, you would have the Raptor there jumping up and down, you know, at Raptors game, you always got super fan. He's always fucking, you know, chirping you and fucking exactly waving your hands, shit like that. And for this guy to be bitching and moaning about one dinosaur is, I mean, as Shaq would say, it's whore awful, man. It's so yeah, stupid. Man. It's fucking right. It's whore awful. You're and then let's say that if there's full stand, full people that were there in the stands, like you said, Josh, they'd be doing something. And don't you think that the Raptor would be standing there doing the same thing? 100%. Where he was? Are you going to tell him to fucking get out of the way then? No. Because you're, like you said, a paid professional. Yep. This distraction shit should not be anything. Yeah. I mean, if, if that was a big thing, there wouldn't be glass as a backboard. There'd be a fucking aluminum or everything else so you couldn't see the fans. But, I mean, you're still going to see the fans, maybe not that high. I guess that's where you're looking. So Right. So, I mean, like, they, it's a see-through glass, so you're going to see them. But, I mean, like I said, they're paid, they're paid professionals. I'm sure they do that all the time in practice and whatever else. Well, and if you're not, if you can't deal with it, if you're, if it doesn't work for you, even if you complain at your teammates, your teammates should do it more. Yeah. So during practice, so that you get used to it, because I don't want a guy that's flustered at the free throw line, especially at game ceiling shots. He's flustered because some fucking red dinosaurs bouncing up and down, waving his hands, bouncing his fucking big head around. Like maybe you go to a granny shot at that point then. I mean, mean, if if it helps him, I guess, but I mean, it's the only way to sit there. His favorite. (laughs) <laughs> yeah man it's all about the backspin because it hits the back of the rim and it just spins right into the net <laughs> so when i first saw this like you guys are a little pissed off i laughed i thought this was fucking well funny. it's funny i just think it's stupid that yeah booker bitches and moans about oh he's he's a total bitch for this total bitch for this and it and because he is this, it's caught on. Because oh, fucking right it has. Indiana I mean, Pacers. <laughs> everyone <laughs> dressed up as a dinosaur. dinosaur. There's one with a guy like in like regular clothes, but a t 
T-Rex head. Standing the chair. sign with the standing on the chair saying, I am not a distraction. And he's nice. not <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. then, too. And then we all saw you no know, like those inflatable T-Rexes yeah. or whatever. So there was those too. But like, see it, man. He like called one on, didn't he? Didn't he not when he went to the foul line? He says, Come on out, bring him out, bring him out. When he was at the next foul line with the rap. Yeah. Well, yeah, because yeah, what else are you gonna do? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, at that point for sure. You've already fixed once about it, so. Yeah. I thought that was pretty funny with the Pacers to, to do that or the fans, I'm whatever. I'm so happy for they sure. did it too. And like, they're going to the playoffs. Like, the Suns are going to the playoffs. Like, you know, know you're going to have way more distractions and now you're just going to see dinosaur fate. Like, I can see every... Like, they're going to be a top seed, so they're going to play a lower seed. So, like, they might just make, like, dinosaur faces and then hand them out to whoever comes when they come to their building, right? Could, could do, yeah. As, lo- as long as it's a Toronto one, no, hey. it, it, any dinosaur man. <laughs> He's got well, dinophobia. It, it all started with the with the Toronto dino. So holy fuck, there's a Stegosaurus. <laughs> It'd be really intimidating if they all just like kind of just stood at them with their masks on. For sure. <laughs> yeah, that's funny. Well, I mean, who knows? Maybe they could. Oh, I guess no, they won't. Never mind. I was gonna say maybe they could play the Raptors, but they wouldn't play the Raptors until the finals uh, in the playoffs. Yeah, so. <laughs> that would be awesome, but. That would actually be pretty fucking funny if that ended up happening. Somehow the Raptors make the finals against the Suns and the whole fucking crowd, if we were allowed crowds, <laughs> yeah. would be dinos, 100%. I mean, like they've been Behind playing good, net. but, but they, I don't see them going to the... No, they're sitting <laughs> in ninth place right now, the Raps are. Oh, uh, really? Oh, they were they yeah. were higher during the week, but they lost against fucking stupid Dwayne Casey again. Yeah, but then they destroyed the fucking Bucks, so... With Giannis, yeah. with Giannis, in. yeah, exactly. So it's it's a they're a weird team, you know. They they, <laughs> they play to their uh, they play to their opponent. That's the way I look at it. And they they always or seem to majority of the time show up against a top end opponent and play a, a half decent game. But when you got a lower end opponent, they like eh, well, we'll look to the next game. Already. Other than the Suns, there's been a lot of the you know, high end opponents that they there's a lot of guys MIA because of COVID and stuff mm-hmm. like that. So for sure. But this is the first time Giannis played and I, I think the Raps are three and zero against them this year now. Nice. I didn't know that. That's fucking great. That is wicked. Even though it's my pick to win the, the <laughs> Larry O'Brien, but it's still that's awesome. That's yeah. how awesome. is the geriatrics though. Are they doing any good? I think they're still just above five hundred. Who's that the Nets? No, the geriatrics. Oh the Lakers. Lakers. Uh, I'm not sure where they're at. They're they're probably in a playoff spot, but fuck that. I, I don't think they're gonna make it. I still. Say I mean, like that it. that was a hot take, but like they they have been struggling a little bit. But who knows, man? Like, like if LeBron's there, he's gonna help him out a bunch to get him there. And For sure. what Russell Westbrook is still there, so. Speaking of Westbrook, this was gonna be a box for me if we were gonna do individual boxes, but uh, Westbrook. Sorry, the NBA has has said that the Spurs can't play cold as ice, sung by Foreigner. Anytime Westbrook misses a fucking misses a shot, I think that's fucking like I think it's funny as hell if they play cold as ice. I don't think the NBA should be stopping them. No, like, not again, at all. Again, it goes back to if you can't fucking take chirping, if you can't take a distraction. <laughs> Did you say Spurs? Because I thought it was uh, Sacramento. Is that a challenge? I thought it was the Spurs. Is that a challenge? 
You know what? I'm going to challenge you. I think yes. Sacramento. We get a challenge so we don't get minus. We're so close to the end. What are you talking about? I already had one. Oh, oh yeah, you did. Oh, today. you did. You're right. Fuck. You I should get a minus just for that. <laughs> 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 yeah, I'm pretty sure it was the Spurs, but uh, hey. I'm, I thought it was the Kings. Yeah. You You know what? I'm. You might be right now. Fuck. <laughs> I honestly can't remember, but I was like, what's that? And Kev helped me out with a point, so maybe I might help you out with one. <laughs> I'm just going to quickly look back because I know we had talked about this and the link was definitely sent. <laughs> we shall see. I, I have a feeling you're fucking right. He now. was really cool. He was really cool about it, though. Like the cold eyes. Nice. He didn't even realize it. Yeah, no, he didn't. Point. Yeah. Yeah, you got it, Jess. It was the uh, Kings. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck. Peter's going to be pissed when he comes back on. Oh, yeah, for sure. He's like, you guys <laughs> fucking gave him two points. <laughs> <laughs> oh fuck he was chirping me for already starting off with a minus two <laughs> what really yeah he was maybe oh, we started the show that, yet you're already at minus two that's fucking low, oh, it's, man. It's, oh yeah, he was he was already minus two before the show started last week because yeah. of the bet so i know but still like he came in fourth badly last year <laughs> well last season like yeah well wait about this one fuck off He's starting a new trend. <laughs> Same trend, different year. <laughs> <laughs> we'll have to get the line on here, and then fuck you, yeah, you, you're, you're gonna have fuck to eat that, that, that that guy urges me just like Brady. We don't need him on this, man. <laughs> We're good with three. But he, but he gives you points. Oh fuck! You know he gets me early. He gets me, you know, red. Actually, he gives Yosh points is what he does. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> All right, so let's talk about these points. Let's go over our challenges and then uh season scores so jess you are uh plus two today so you had you beat kev on the uh straight hand six the straight hand sacks game uh sacks yeah so straight hand did play 16 games in his uh record setting season so that gives jess plus one kevin minus one uh and then just now sacramento kings uh san antonio yeah. spurs you beat me because i'm dumb uh, it was the other black, white, and silver team. <laughs> and uh, I got fucked on that. So, Jesse. Well, the only reason I thought of that because the Sacramento sucks. So they're just trying to make jokes out of. Yeah. Like, <laughs> it's, it's also Shaquille O'Neal called them what the Sacramento Queens. The Queens. That was back in the day when he was playing for the Lakes for sure. So. All right. So, season stats then. Uh, I guess Jesse's leading the way here now with plus yeah. four. Peter's coming in second. He's got a plus three because, of course, he got no points or no negatives today being off. Oh, man, um, he's got all the right to be off today. That's for sure. Absolutely. He's going to be a busy fucking boy. You better be back next week, though. Get your priorities straight. I mean, like, <laughs> I try to give you guys a head start. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't help for me and Kev. <laughs> so I'm at a minus one for the season. And Kev, with your, uh, your negative today, that puts you at minus three you and that's the uh that's the score so far for the season kev we're starting off with a bang on the first fuck yeah bro episodes i mean i'm trying to help out you know just like last season we gotta get these uh you know challenges in there definitely gotta squeak them in all right guys so final segment here before we sign off you guys know what it is how was your drink my electric unicorn, uh, you know, 
It's a quite uh, Astravic unicorn there. Yeah, very it's a nice. good can. Looks it's good. a very good can. It is a white IPA. Again, sitting at, uh, what did I say, 6.5 out of a Phillips Brewing and uh, Malting Company. I like it, man. I mean, as much as I didn't like IPAs way back when, I'm saving these just for episodes because I'm they're, getting a good little flavor to them. Some are, some are, some aren't. But this one's good. I definitely Typically, do. IPAs, you can go up. They usually, you know what you're getting. Yeah. Typically. Yeah. Typically, but not all the time. I mean, I don't mind some kind of citrus, but not not like a lot. And this is very good. I like it because, it, again, it's a white IPA. It's not like the dark one. Enjoyed it. Like it. I'll drink it again. And uh, once again there, Jesse, obviously you are feeling better. You didn't bitch out this week. And, I, was uh, tr- I was trying to give you a head start, bud. And what, what did you drink in there, Jess? I am drinking... Jumbo, it's the elephant, but not Dumbo, from Rail City, Railway City in St. Thomas. It takes the cake this week in alcohol content, too. It's a good episode, boys. Good got for you. Points. <laughs> <laughs> got the alcohol content. Feeling good. And the beer itself, not too shabby. I would definitely have this again. This is as tasty as ever. Yosh, how was yours? All right, refined full of Sarnia, van full of weirdos. It's a juicy IPA. Um, tropical aromas, citrusy, pretty good. I'm I'm usually a fan of the uh, citrusy type IPA, so this one uh, floats my boat just fine. Like I said before, it's got a fun fucking can you know it's got some weirdos kind of look like clowns or whatever the fuck they are in a van kind of makes sense with the name of it van full <laughs> of weirdos but anyway i was the bitch today bus. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> i was the bitch today at 6.2 percent but uh, this stuff is really tasty really enjoy it definitely gonna get it again and yeah it's about it for our drinks boys they're going down fucking great real great oh yeah too fast too furious <laughs> i'm too fast for y'all <laughs> oh sorry that was a little remix by uh by Ludacris there you can get us monetized <laughs> <laughs> all right so for everybody here points and penalties I'd like to thank you for listening or watching please subscribe on youtube right down here in that corner <laughs> right down there and uh and if you're listening subscribe to us as well Please give us a like and follow on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Points Penalties. And until next week, stay stay out out of the penalty penalty box. box.